Hello, I'm Melanie Haynes and welcome to episode three of the Daily Days podcast. Today we're joined by Charlotte Larson, the CEO and founder of Charlie's Roof, a company which helps expats find their new home in Copenhagen or Aarhus. Charlotte is Danish and has worked in home search for many years. Today she and I discuss how expats can get the most out of having a smaller home search service and she gives tons of useful advice about how to approach searching for a new home, whatever city you're moving to. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Right, today I'm joined by Charlotte Larson, who uh, runs a company called Charlie's Roof. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your company? Yes. Uh, yeah, as you said, I'm uh, Charlotte Larson. I'm uh, 37 years old. I have a five-year-old daughter. And I started my own company back in 2016. So that was last year. Pretty new. Um, we recently changed our names from Copenhagen Housing to Charlie's Roof to make it a bit different from all of the other housing companies we have here in Copenhagen. So you find people places to live, that's right? Yes, we find people, rental places to live. Yes, that's what we do. Primarily internationals, expats, students uh, from abroad, but actually also once in a while Danes. The the, the Copenhagen rental market is crazy, so... Yeah, I think yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that in a, in a little while because I think it's like many European cities at the moment. Yes. Um, many expats are experiencing the same thing in Berlin and Paris and, and other cities. There's a lack of affordable rental properties in the central areas where people yeah. are working and where all the action happens mm, and where exactly. they want to live. So what kind of advice do you give to your clients? They're coming here and they're like, I'm <laughs> desperate to live in this really hip central place and there's nothing that they can either afford or get. Yeah. What, what do you tell them? I tell them to uh, be patient and be a bit more flexible than they are often are when they uh, st- come here mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, you can actually, you can, if you are a bit flexible on location, you can get many decent places. You just have to take the metro or the train from somewhere a bit outside the city center. Yeah, That's, I think, I think uh, one of the. I mean, when we lived in Berlin and we were looking for somewhere to live. Our relocation consultant we said the area that we wanted to live in and it was almost impossible to find mm. somewhere there she didn't tell us other places we could look but like you say with many many cities with mass transportation you can just get yeah you to can different get places to different places very quickly and actually also of often those areas they have some kind of local com- community which is pretty nice and mm. which people often end up being very happy about living in yes yes. for us it's a very big thing to be honest so if people come to us and say we would like to live there and there have four bedrooms and this is our budget and we can see that it's not impossible then we don't start working for them saying that we can find that if we don't think it's realistic so openness and honesty for us is Absolutely. One of the biggest things. Absolutely. And I'm sure they appreciate that when they actually do find their place yeah, to Yeah, to begin with, <laughs> some people might get a bit disappointed and yeah. that can often end up... I think being, you come with your own yeah. perceptions of your own, where you've come from. Exactly. Um, I mean, so. when, when we moved here, we'd moved from a very modern house in the UK. And in my mind, you know, modern was better. Yeah. And we saw five, it was a privilege in those days, we saw five properties in one day. Mm. And I was like, yeah, we must have this new one. It really wasn't right for us. No. Um, and the sort of the, the early 20th century period apartment that we did go for turned out to be really, really perfect, really lovely yeah. for us. And our consultant then said, you know, you have to, that's the UK, this is Copenhagen, 
you've got to get a different mindset. Mm. But the situation is changing a little in Copenhagen because there's an increase of, of newly built properties. Yes. Um, is that is that beneficial for people coming or are they still going to be kind of priced out of those properties? Is the rentals on them in the higher level of, yeah. of budgets or are they affordable? They're in the higher level. Yeah, I would say 90% of them, 95 maybe even, mm. is extremely expensive. Unfortunately, there's been some, from the political side, made some decisions on local plans, which are, uh, in my opinion, a bit strange, because uh, the demand here is definitely higher for the smaller places, mm -hmm. for uh, young couples, students who need just one-bedroom places or even studios, which they can afford. And the demand is not for those big four-bedroom apartments, no. which cost 20,000 kroner per month plus. Yeah. So, and, and that's what's being built. Mm. And I noticed that um, there's a, a very new development in Karlsberg Buren, and mm. they were supposed to have so many units of affordable housing. Mm. And those units are actually for students that are studying there, yeah. not for regular people who are perhaps starting out you know with a new job here or no. have just left university yeah. and they want to live somewhere yeah, exactly um, you have to be uh, assigned to a uh, to a study here to mm. go to get those studios yeah. and of course a lot of people come here without that yeah without being that and for for certain age properties there is a, a sort of a cap on how high the rents can go but on newer properties that doesn't exist is that right yeah If on properties built after 1991, I think July 1991 or so, something like that, mm. then there is no cap on okay. the rental. So uh, those rentals are often very, very expensive. Yeah. And the other ones, the, 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 the cheap ones, the older ones in city center, um, they tend to go, if, if, if there's a cheap tenancy there, it tends to go uh, from... Uh, grandfather to his son to his son yeah. to his son so for internationals coming to the city they're absolutely impossible to get so you can't penetrate that market no so it's very very hard we of course try to by mm. using our network and saying that if anyone is moving out of one of those rentals mm. um, then please let us know and we have great tenants for it mm -hmm. it does happen once in a while but it's very very difficult So when you first started, uh, because you were working in-house at uh, one of the universities here, first of yes. all, has the situation changed a lot? I mean, I, I recall 10 years ago, as I say, seeing five properties in one day, mm. and that wasn't unusual at that time. It no. was possible to do that. Um, as time has gone on, there are less and less for people to choose from. What, what's this kind of length of time people can expect if they're doing it by themselves without using a service like yours to actually find somewhere to live here? Well, of course, that depends a lot on how flexible mm -hmm. they are. Um, but if you're, if you're very uh, strict on budget and location, I would say it can take up to a year to find the right wow. rental. Um, but of course, very often people don't have that time to wait. No. So, um, so, so, I'd say with a bit of flexibility and uh, and open mind, then two to three months. It's you, still a long time. It is still a long time, but uh, but it it is what it takes. Mm. I would say. Would you recommend that people come and get some kind of temporary housing yes, while they're looking, yeah. or should they be trying to do it remotely? What's the best way? Uh, I would definitely recommend uh, to come here and find a temporary place, mm -hmm. especially if you need a if if you know that you'll be staying here for a long time, more than a year, mm -hmm. then I would come here, find one of those temporary places, maybe pay a bit more for that, and then figure out 
exactly what are your options okay yeah yeah we did that in berlin and uh, yeah it, it can sometimes feel like it's something of a prison sentence being mm. stuck in this sort of temporary housing when yeah. you, it, and almost like your life is on a pause button yeah and you want to get going yeah but you again want to find the right place of course it, it of course it also depends if you're coming here with children then maybe it's a different situation mm. because moving around with children i know that it's <laughs> not uh, always very funny no so yeah so of course it depends on the specific situation but but I, w I would recommend, because if you book a place from abroad that you haven't seen, or maybe you've just seen it once without really knowing the local area mm. and where you're living, and then, because very often the contracts are fixed for a minimum a mm. year, maybe even two years, yeah. and then you can't leave that place, is, um, I think, is the, probably the worst situation you can be in. I often say to people that, that I deal with through my business that, an average apartment can be made into a great home, but a not good neighbourhood, there's yeah. nothing you can do exactly. about that. So, yeah. you know, you. I think it's it's okay to compromise perhaps on maybe the size of your apartment mm. or, you know, which floor it's on in the building, yeah. as long as you've got something, you mentioned earlier, you know, even the, the places that aren't the, the very popular, desirable places still have a great community, mm. they have coffee shops, they have supermarkets, they have playgrounds, yeah. they have all those things. Yes. Because, of course, the, the people already living there mm. want those things. Yes, exactly. um, one of the things about Copenhagen that I've noticed changing over the last 10 years is a lot of areas have become quite gentrified, um, which has obviously pushed up the rents. Mm. Uh, for example, Vesterbro yeah. is an area where now you know it's, it's full of a lot of hipsters mm. and it's a very cool place to live. And that then displaces the people that used to live there yeah. further out of the city yes, yes. which then I guess means that newer people coming in are being pushed even further out yeah. because the availability mm. is not there um, I was discussing earlier with somebody about the difference between building on a brownfield field site and a greenfield site um, a brownfield would be um, it's a kind of a British term I'm not sure I'm using the right one but it's where you maybe have an old industrial area yeah. and you knock down the buildings that are yes. there because they're no longer useful and then you build apartments yeah. and then you're not compromising beautiful green spaces outside of cities yes. and town planning for a long time in, in the UK was building on those, those green spots okay. um, and towns gradually just kind of meld into one another and mm. you end up with a, a huge kind of not very well thought out area mm. but I'm very interested to see particularly in some of the old industrial areas of Copenhagen that those buildings are being knocked down and very quickly new apartments are coming mm. up but in your experience, are those apartments owned by a management company that then rent out, or do they tend to be bought by individuals who may be then putting them on the rental market? Uh, the first thing, yeah. yeah. It's bigger companies, investors, uh, who buy up mm. those uh, plots or those, yeah, those places and then build up new ones. Yeah. Yeah. And then, again, when they build new ones, then they can set the rent freely. Yeah. So that's also what's happened. Though they build new ones and they are very expensive. Yeah. So for your clients, that's not necessary. Is that opening up more opportunities? We, we're working on how to use it the best way possible. We have a lot of students as clients, and we are working a lot on renting some of those big apartments, which they can then share. Mm -hmm. uh, not many landlords are very keen on that unfortunately yeah. but we're really doing uh, our best to convince them that those students can be really really good tenants mm. and maybe even take better care of the places than a family with 
three well, children. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, but but that's it takes some time, and it 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 is improving. It, it it's becoming a bit easier for us here over the last, I'd say, last year or half year or something, because I think they are now seeing that the demand for those very expensive apartments is not as high as mm. they hoped. So that results in a lot of empty places in, for example, Suhaun. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually so, going to mention that one of my clients told me that the place that she managed to get hold of had been empty for two years. Yes. Um, and it was one of the newer builds in that new area, but it had been yeah. empty for two years. And yeah. it had been used for less than salubrious uh, means beforehand. Yeah. And in my opinion, that is when, because we really, really see the demand for accommodation in the city. Mm. It is extremely high. So in my opinion, it's absolutely crazy that we have all of those empty apartments mm. all around the city. Because um, they must be costing the investors money by sitting empty. Yeah, it doesn't make That's sense. Yeah. But one of the things, again, that you hear a lot is, um, you know, where there are desperate people, mm. there are always people there to con them yeah. and scam them. Oh, yeah. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, there are very obvious things that you can see sitting back from it. Mm. You know, don't give money without having a key, don't give money without mm. seeing something, don't even, you know, do some checks. But people get so desperate and they go, oh, we found somewhere, now we mm. need to do it. What warnings would you give to people that are getting to that point where they are quite desperate to find somewhere to yeah. live? Well, actually, there, there are two sides, because you're definitely right. There is, we unfortunately see scams, fraud a lot. Um, I'd say... Always make sure to talk to the person on the phone. Uh, even better, meet the person. Mm -hmm. um, and make sure to see that that person actually has, if it's a sublet, see their lease contract mm -hmm. with their name on it. Uh, if it's an owner apartment, then you can look it up yeah. uh, online and see if that person actually owns that apartment. Mm -hmm. So those are the first things I do. But then on the other hand, I'd say, here, for example, it's normal that you pay your three months deposit, three yeah. months prepaid rent before you have the keys. That's a huge you, amount of money. You pay that before you get the keys. Yeah. Normally, you actually pay it a week or two after you sign the lease contract, mm -hmm. even though you're not supposed to move in. But in you another three months, something and yeah. you're transferring it by bank. Yes. Rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. A always, cash. always transfer, transfer by bank. Mm. Never give cash. Mm. Um, we, it's too. I, I say it because. Also, our clients, they're often even afraid of paying deposit to landlords that we know and that for four places that we've found them. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, they can always do that <laughs> uh, without worrying at all, because yeah. we always guarantee that we only rent out with decent landlords. Mm. And the level of, what do you call it, um, of fraud, of... Uh, Being conned. Yeah. In, in Denmark is actually not very high when you compare it to the rest of the world. No, this is true. Um, so, so, so there are two sides to it. Yes, there are of course uh, bad people, as mm. there are in all cities. But, um, but it, yeah, I don't think that um, that you should be too afraid, especially when you use someone like us as a middleman. Yeah. Um, and you can always just ask. Uh, Charlie's roof. If you found a tenancy on your own and you just want an opinion on your landlord, so oh, okay, we, that's we, really good. Yeah, so. we, we are also here for that. Yeah, and also so, checking the contracts yeah, because yeah. of course they have to be in Danish and 
if you don't understand Danish, yes, you want to make sure that you're signing yeah. something that's right. Yeah. I think a lot of the time it, it's just using common sense. It is. And if something seems too good to be true, mm. then it probably is. Yes. If it, if it seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Yeah. That's a very important point. Yeah. I do notice that particularly on the Facebook forums here the, for the expats that the moderators are very hot on keeping an eye out on mm. names that they know that come yeah. up and they can see, you know, these people, they're not, you know, they are criminals, but they're not criminal masterminds. And no, they, no, no. Have a, they have a, a process that they go yeah. through, they have words that they use and it's very, if you... If you're reading these things frequently, mm. you can immediately spot them yeah. and say, right, okay, I know that that rent for that property is ridiculously yes. low, yeah. so therefore, warning bells, yeah. um, rather than, oh, great, yeah. really low. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we, we often hear from people who contact us that they think they can get some very cheap apartments, uh, central Österbro or mm. central uh, Copenhagen K, because they've seen it on Bolig Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, of course, then you have to explain that those ads are there, but they are most likely uh, not real. No, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure estate agents do it to a certain extent where they keep um, houses that they've sold up in the window with a yes. sold sign on. Yeah. And they, you know, they could have sold them quite some time ago, mm. but it's there and it gives people the idea that there's yes. a movement and, yeah. and uh, you know, these, there's availability within mm. their price range, which yeah. perhaps there isn't so much. Thinking about the service that you offer, of course, in every city there are the huge relocation companies that yes. tend to be paid for by another big recruiter, for example, yeah. in, in this city it's MESC, mm. pay for them. And a lot of people who come maybe not with as high a position or with a smaller company mm. can feel that they can't access those services or they can't afford them. Yes. So services like yours are bridging, a kind of plugging that gap. Yeah, um, yes, exactly. And, and do you, I mean, how do you actually promote yourself to people? Do they find you generally through a web search or, you know, you, do you work with any specific organisations here? Well, to, to begin with, it was actually um, mostly mouth-to-mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at one of the universities, as you said before, internally in their housing department. Um, and when I was working there, often we needed some external help, and then we bought some of those mm-hmm. relocation agencies. But that was only, as you said, for the VIPs, for the yeah. very yeah. important people with the high salaries. So I, I saw a need when I was working there for an agency who was affordable and um, yeah, who could just see eye to eye with the normal PhD student who didn't mm. have a very high budget. Because often those relocation agencies didn't even want to help when the budget was very low because no. they, it was too much work and too yeah. hard. So that was actually my, that was the whole reason for me opening up my own little business. It was to help everyone mm. and to have services for everyone. Mm. Um, sorry, I forgot what was your actual question. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just talking now. <laughs> no, no, I think you answered it. It was okay. just, you know, what kind of people come to you. Yeah, and, it is and everyone. And yeah. it means that because I, mean, I have some clients who they do have those big services mm. offered to them, but they want a personal touch yeah. as well. And they use me in tandem. Um, obviously, it's different for, for the service that you offer. But I think sometimes it's nice to actually know who you see a picture of somebody mm. on the website. You know, that's going to be that's going to be the, the one person, I'm talking to. Yeah. And you talk to them and they listen to yes. you. 
and it's about it's two people yeah it's, it's not, not business to business. a business and a person no. and you're kind of feeling a little bit intimidated yeah you can actually talk quite openly yeah. with the person that you're dealing with um one of the things i find that there's a perception that the internet it is it, of course it's a huge mine of information everyone thinks that they can google something and they can solve their own problems instantly mm. but often that's not the case because you don't necessarily know where to Google, no. where to go to, what's the right portal to use on the website. And, and we've talked earlier about the timescales that it takes people. It can be, you know, three to four months yeah. if you're looking yeah. by yourself. What would you say if I was coming here and, and my personal situation with a seven-year-old child and a husband and we were looking for a four-bedroom apartment? How mm. long do you think, and we weren't bothered about where we lived, No. how long do you think it would take you to find us somewhere? Well, if your budget is um, a budget that matches what is uh, available on the market, <laughs> then I would say we could find you something within a month or so. Okay. Yeah. If it's uh, if if we have a strict budget to work with and we have to, uh, yeah, do more. Would you say more footwork and yeah. and wait for the right thing to yeah. uh, come up? Mm -hmm. Then I would say up to three months. Okay. Yeah. I think it's good that people get a realistic impression from you as well. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. in the first, because I know you do sort of initial consultations with people mm. and talk to them about... We do, we do. ...whether they're being realistic or not. Yes, that's uh, that's almost half the half the job, is, mm. is to talk about all of that. The budget, what can you get? How much are the utilities if you're a family of four? How, what does a, a three-bedroom place in Denmark is called a four-room apartment. So often yeah. then people think, well, I then have four bedrooms and then they're disappointed when they we, we go in the viewing and they see that yeah. it it's, actually only has, has three bedrooms. Yeah, it's kind of a quirk, isn't yeah, it? Because it is. <laughs> in a lot of apartments, you could feasibly use, if it's a four-room, you could feasibly use three of them as bedrooms and yes. one as a living space mm. if you wanted to. And often the living space here is, is combined with the kitchen, so it can be used as, yes. as a bedroom. We have yeah. that quite That's a lot here. I've noticed a lot with the new builds where they do They have, always do that. And I hate that. It's a, it's a personal... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I live in an open-plan sort of kitchen dining room it's very Nordic style home. right but <laughs> it's just you know you go in these places it's just one big room and mm. there's like a kitchen just plonked on the side yeah and I, I know you can make them cozy and, and mm. nice but I sort of look at them and and I guess I'm one of these people that my expectation is I want a separate area that's yeah. defined as my kitchen yeah um I think we're very lucky here I mean we've talked quite sort of I guess Denmark based in this mm. and, and some people listening moving to other places or live in other areas I mean one of the quirks I found in Germany was that you don't have a kitchen no. like you have a kitchen room yeah but they don't. Uh, and maybe you have a cooker yeah and that's it yeah and people move their kitchens from yeah. apartment to apartment with mm. them, which is great if you've always lived in Berlin or you've always mm. lived in Dusseldorf but yeah. if you're moving in as we did from Copenhagen and you literally just have a cooker yeah. and a fridge and a sink. Yeah. And that's the entirety of your kitchen. Yeah. Now, for, for me, that was a shock at first. But having already moved to another European country, I was mm. ready to just adjust my expectations. Mm. But sometimes there are, are shocks when people come yeah. in. Like the size of bathrooms, for example, in Ooh, older yeah. apartments yeah. In, in Copenhagen. That's a big uh, big thing. <laughs> you know, it's, I always remember my father-in-law saying, you've got to get somewhere with a bigger bathroom. Yeah. And I said to him, that's like the Copenhagen dream. Yeah. This is, and actually we had quite a big 
bathroom yeah, yeah. for um but yeah. they, they tend to be in the the older apartments like a wet room almost yeah they where... tend to be built in uh, older old closets actually yes so it's, there, wasn't it's just, a, there wasn't a there wasn't a indoors anyway no, so originally. they just used a closet yeah to to create it and also people moving from south they have a very big dream of having a balcony because they've always yes. had balconies wh- yes. wherever they lived but in the nordic countries for many reasons we don't have balconies mostly because it's always so cold yes I, we never used ours I think in Berlin we it was either too hot to sit mm. out on our balcony because it was it was an excessive sun trap mm. or it was just too cold yeah um, so you never so, really it, so, so when people come with dreams of big bathrooms and balconies then we have to have a, yeah. a long talk I think also for expert here the, the mayor doesn't agree with balconies yeah, and he yeah. won't allow retrospectively balconies to be no. added to buildings because yeah. he thinks it makes them look ugly. Yeah. Um, but a number of people I talked to that have moved here say, "Oh, we've got these two balconies. We never use them. Yeah. You know, we've sat out and mm. maybe had a glass of wine once or twice yeah. in the summer, and and that's been it. Yeah. But a lot of apartments have those sort of courtyard spaces yes. downstairs with sort of tables and chairs that you can use, and possibly maybe even a communal barbecue mm. um, and play things for the kids. Yes. Because I think particularly. In, in Denmark, there's a, a big feeling that communal spaces are, are very good because they're good for socialisation. Yes. And it also means that then your space is private. Yes. Upstairs. Yes. So you can dip into the, the community in the building. Mm. But then when you go home, yeah. you close the door close and, the and door. you're kind of cosy yeah. inside. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, often people say, I mean, we're talking, I know you're not an expat, but you know, we're talking a little bit about challenges that people have. And people often say, oh, Danes and Germans are, you know, they're very closed. They don't want to be my friend, and they're not mm. beating my door down as soon as I arrive. And, and I remember a friend saying to me that she moved from the south of England to Manchester, and she said, "I've got no friends. I don't know how to make friends. It's really no. difficult. Everyone's already got their networks, already got their friends." And she spoke the same language as them. Yeah. I think those challenges are the same whenever you move I think to so. a new neighbourhood or think a new it, area. A good thing to know when you move to Denmark is that we often meet the other 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 people. We meet other people in various organizations mm. we can we can play we play handball or mm. when we go to the soccer club or the all of those things yeah it's where we meet other people yeah yeah it's uh i, I would always recommend try if you have a sport or if you sing or if you do all mm. of those things then find the local band or the local yeah, tennis club because that's if, where we meet each yeah, other even if you don't speak the same language as them you have that language almost of that sport or, yeah exactly you know, because football is the same mm. whatever country you play yeah. it in yeah. um, and then it means that you, you meet people a lot of expats meet new friends through language school yeah. which I think is great because most people have come here with a Dane mm. so they're in a an English person and a Danish person or an American and a Danish person so that gives you an in into yeah. meeting Danish people and getting yes. experiences mm. um, I mean everybody in England is probably sick to death of, of Hygge, Um but it's something that it is just kind of integral into to life in, yeah. in Denmark and, yeah it and is very much it's so I mean our children they you know, they swim on Tuesdays. They have the choir on Wednesdays, mm. and then they have the handball club club on Fridays. So it's that's where communities they grow. Yeah, yeah. With play dates, because you've got yeah. kids the same as me. Um, are play dates a big thing in yes. in Denmark? Yeah, because I know a lot of children go to sort of after school care mm. here and do a lot of that playing there. Maybe don't get picked up until sort of half past four, mm. and then maybe they've got a club in the evening. Yes, is there time for for play dates? 
Well, y- yes, there is, and uh, I think the the we call them pedagogues. Yeah. What, what is the English word? Uh, you call them the... Yeah, a pedagogue is a, a sort of trained childcare yeah. professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The ones in the in the kindergarten. Yeah. Them, they yeah. always. Uh, they always say that they recommend that there is a play date at least once a week. Mm-hmm. That's very normal. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is also a big thing to have play dates. So when people come here and they're like, "How can I access the play dates?" You just ask. You, you just, just ask. You just. That's so normal. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask the parent of the, the the child that your child wants to play with. Yeah. That's so normal. And and it's because I know some people joke that you know you have to plan things well in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's meet for coffee. Oh yes, I can do it in three yeah. weeks' time. We're very German in that sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just getting used to it. It's yeah. getting used to the the kind of the cultural intricacies mm. of you know how you behave when you go to someone's house. Like, you know, you automatically take your shoes off. Yeah when you enter <laughs> yeah. a Scandinavian yeah. home. Yeah. Whereas in England, a lot of people just walk in mm. with their shoes on and they feel quite affronted if somebody says, yeah. oh, you must take your shoes off. Yeah. And I was reading, I'm currently reading a book by a friend of mine, uh, Nikki, who, who lives in uh, in Sweden, about Lagom, which mm. is just enough. Mm. And when I was reading it, I was thinking, every time she says Sweden, I could just put Denmark, Denmark in, it. in yeah. it. Because a lot of it was the same. And, and yes. she was saying about... When people come to your home, if they're the kind of take off shoes reluctant mm-hmm. sort of people, you just have co- a, a basket of cozy slippers mm. by the door, and people look at them. Oh, they look so nice because yeah. they're tactile and they're pretty, yeah. and they quite happily put yeah. them on. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a great fascination, uh, particularly in England, with Scandinavian culture. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think they think that you know we've got it right here yeah. with. with you know, affordable childcare, mm. um, just the, the the way society is is set up. Yeah. What do you see if people are coming here, say from the UK as a Dane? Mm. What are the kind of perhaps cultural mistakes that sometimes they might make? Um, are there obvious things mm. that people well, can be prepared for? Not really anything that I've thought about, to be honest. Hmm. No, not really anything I can think of. No. But um, maybe you're asking the wrong person because one of the reasons that I do love my job is that I talk to people from all yes. cultures and I find different cultures very, very fascinating. So I, I don't really... I'm mm. not the kind of person who thinks that you should adapt. Not, no, no. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think maybe that you should adapt to being in Denmark and the Danish culture. I think you should just be who you are. And then, of course in a way that makes you happy here. Yeah, I always um, say to people, you don't just throw out your own celebrations and your no. own traditions. You can no. you can mould them all together. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. You know, we have things here in Denmark, like Fastelau and in uh, the beginning of Lent, where, you know, children dress up and it's mm. almost like a little Halloween type thing. Yeah, but it's yeah. There. And it, it's an exciting thing to experience. But yes. at the same time, you can bring your you can things bring your, from your country and share them with your neighbours. So I'd say if anyone's making the mistakes, maybe it's the Danes for not having their arms <laughs> open enough to different yeah. cultures and I not think, being yeah. accepting. I think sometimes you... I mean, I was quite... I don't know, not, not forceful with it, but in the second Christmas we were here, my husband makes traditional um, Christmas pies, which are called meat mm. pies in England. And uh, we invited... We knew our neighbours pretty well by then and, and we had a baby mm. so we invited them all in just for some Christmas English treats it's mm. a couple of days after Christmas oh, lovely. everybody in yeah. the building apart from the very elderly great idea came in and but what I loved was how 
honest they were. Yeah. Because we made mulled wine, which is a little bit like uh, Danish cook. Yeah, but not as but, sweet. But not as sweet. No. And one of my neighbours, she, she had a glass of it, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I really don't like this. No. Uh, could I have something different? Yeah. And I thought, yeah, of course. You know, I'd rather mm. that she did that than sat there mm. with a glass that she hated. And then one Actually, of that's own, not very Danish. I'd is say it not? That, no, I'd say Danes are very... Uh, not honest and very uh, with a very with facades maybe oh, okay. yeah because I've always found them quite sort of up front oh, the ones that I've really? known and, and the yeah. other elderly guy that was there you know he sat there he ate his mince pie yeah. he had his mulled wine yeah. um, and then he just turned to my husband and said I'd like to go home and watch my television now yeah <laughs> could you help me back to my apartment and my husband uh, was like yes of course and, yeah. and he turned to his wife and said you've got a key haven't you yeah. and she said yeah, yeah and he said all right then thank you so much bye-bye yeah. and Alex yeah. sort of helped him home down the yeah. stairs and, and he settled him in and he said oh I'm gonna watch the handball or something yeah. on tv and I thought that was far better than him sitting there thinking mm. oh goodness me when can I go home I've yeah. had enough of this but he just said can you help me home now yeah. and it was a really nice afternoon that's actually and, a very very good idea that yeah. could be a good suggestion for people moving here from abroad mm. to invite if they live in an apartment then yeah. invite the ones living there as well in the yeah. same yeah just come on by for our Easter tradition something or and whatever it is food is always a winner food is always a winner and food and drinks then yeah. things are there and they're like oh it's something new to try and, and yeah. they really appreciate it and they still talked about it the following yeah. year they said oh are you going to do the same mm. again and yeah. we said oh, we haven't really thought it oh it was so good yeah it was so so hugly so hugly yeah, 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 yeah it was really so yeah. I think that's the it, it's a two way street I think mm. settling in it is you know you can't expect everybody to come to you and to greet you no. you have to it put it out there. I yeah. think there's an expression, you know, sugar catches more flies than uh, vinegar does. Yeah. So, you know, if you're sweet and you're nice to people, they'll come to you. Yeah. So I think that that's quite good advice. But you have a number of non-Danes working in your office, yeah. are you? Yeah. Yes, I have. We are, uh, today, we are six people today, yeah. Okay. Uh, one in uh, in Aarhus, so mm-hmm. we, we're hoping that we'll get more business all over Denmark right now it's okay. more or less only in Copenhagen yeah. but we're working on that we're growing <laughs> well I liked when I was in so. your office the other day that Alison uh, yeah Alison when, when she's I left, our Irish she's uh, Irish when yeah. I left the, the room she was talking to a client you had in English and when I came back they were talking in Dutch to each other yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's such an asset to have people who mm. have lived in different countries mm. so and then we working have Elke she's from Austria yeah, yeah. and then Mike and she's lived in the States and in mm. In Bahrain and in the UK as yeah. well. So, so people yeah. have an idea themselves yeah. about what it means. That's been very important to, to me all along. And, yeah. and they can see the, sometimes the fear that people have and, and how to make them feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I think you've, I mean, you've answered, I had a couple more questions about how people can settle, but I think we, we covered that because yeah. you, know, you were saying about just joining. Yeah. Join in whatever you can yeah. and meet people and don't just stick with your own kind. No. You know, don't just stick with British people. Don't just look for Brits if you're a Brit or Americans if you look yeah. for Americans. Just try and meet as many try and meet people. people. Yeah. It's like starting university, isn't it? Yeah. In the first few weeks yeah. of university, you just want to be friends with everybody. Yeah. And then you kind of, it, you start with this huge pool of people and, and then you start to narrow it down to the people mm. that you really, really feel comfortable to, with. Exactly. And, and I, I, I do think that those clubs and organisations, if you swim at home, then mm. find a swimming club here. Yeah. Do that because... That, that, that is really a good place to meet people here yeah I mean one of my clients she was into uh, martial arts and I found yeah. her a couple of places in Urbara to go to do mm. her martial arts and she said well I was a bit daunted at first because I 
couldn't really speak any Danish. But she said it was such a cosmopolitan group of people. You know, yeah. there was predominantly Danes, but then there were some other Americans. There were a couple of uh, people from Asia. There was just a mix of people. Mm. And they all had their sport yeah. in common. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's found a couple of good friends through that, yeah. which is, is the goal, really, you know, yeah. to make some good friends. I've always found with, with Danish people, they're quite private. But if you ever ask for help, they rarely say no, oh. that they won't help. Yeah. Um, in, in a new building where we were, we literally just kind of said hi on the stairs to a couple of neighbours. My son had a very high fever and I was about to go to the 24-hour pharmacy and on the way downstairs I thought, the family the, the, on the ground floor, they've got kids similar age. I'll just knock on the door and ask them if they have any paracetamol. Mm. And I knocked on the door and she said, yeah, I have. And she said, come in, come in, you're upstairs, aren't you? And we introduced mm. ourselves. She said, I have an unopened bottle, take it. You don't want to go out in the cold, you can give it to yeah. me. Just drop in with a new bottle when you have a moment. Yeah. Um, and she said, anything else you need, just knock on the door. Oh, yeah. That's, you that know, is... that's really... Mm. And, and then again at Christmas there was a Christmas tree in the hallway and everybody came down and sang some Danish songs and we yeah. had some, you know, little Danish Christmas cookies. Yeah. And it was it was just lovely. Yeah. But what Danes I would say they love to help. And they yeah. also love to show that they speak English. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is a real downside when you're trying to learn or to learn to Danish. Use yeah. Danish. Yeah. I noticed one of the language schools here this week actually, they've got these kind of funny badges you can wear and they say things on them in Danish like I'm learning Danish, please don't please. speak to me in English. Uh, yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. just kind of like little yeah. fun things. But I think that sometimes <laughs> you have to you have to laugh at, at the situation to feel better about yes. it. Yes. You know. Yeah. Sometimes I can get quite grumpy where I speak in Danish to somebody, they answer me in English, hmm. clearly understood my Danish. Yeah. And sometimes I get please just speak to me. I've spoken to you in Danish, please speak yeah. back to me. And yeah. they're like, But we thought it was easier for yeah. And of course it is easier for yeah. them, but it's not always easy for them. No. You can't just assume that no. everybody has all the words. And easy is not always the best. No, no, <laughs> no. You, ha you have to settle. So, uh, well, that's fantastic. I don't want to yeah. take up too much more of your time. But no, um, very... if people are planning to move to Copenhagen and they obviously need help finding somewhere to live, yeah. uh, where can they find out more about you? charliesroof.com. Okay. Um, and yeah. As uh, as I said before, our uh, our main uh, thing in our company is that we are very open, uh, try to be what do you say friends with our clients, mm -hmm. and uh, and then we are affordable and uh, we have an a la carte menu, so you don't have to buy services from us that you don't need. So if That's you just great. need us to look at a lease contract that you found yeah. on your own, then we can do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we have an office where you can always drop by if you have any and questions. It's, and just, it's right in the city centre. Yeah, we uh, just move there. We yeah. love it. I'm so. glad you're in the basement because you have one of those really old, frightening lifts in yeah. your building. Yeah, it's uh, very old, like very, very small. And yeah. it, it's slightly nerve-wracking. Yeah. So. so Great. Well, I'll put all the information in the show notes for people to see Perfect. anyway. But thank you so much for your time today. You've thank you for having me. Lots of value <laughs> for people that are thinking of making the move. So yeah. thanks again. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for listening and see you next time when I welcome a good friend of mine, Jenny Fox, who talks about her passion for museums and the projects she set up in Berlin to enable more expat families to enjoy the amazing museums in the German capital. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, bye for now.